Welcome to Mayo Clinic Q&A. I'm Dr. Helena Gazelka. Because cancer treatments can weaken the immune system, cancer patients are at increased risk of complications from COVID-19. But despite restrictions on the provision of elective care and social distancing recommendations, cancer patients often still need treatment, such as to go to the clinic or to go to the hospital. And many have questions about how cancer should be treated differently during COVID-19, if at all. With us today to discuss this is Mayo Clinic oncologist, Dr. Tony Vassab. Thank you for joining us on the program today. Thank you for having me. Tell me just a little bit, is cancer care different during COVID-19? Oh boy, yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, our whole world has been, for medicine overall, and even outside medicine, has been transformed in many ways. And for cancer care, it has certainly gotten way more complicated so it, it is different. It is different. It is different, especially in this in this time of crisis. It is different in terms of uh, you know patients uh, uh, coming to, to to the clinic, uh, families uh, not able to join uh, the patients during their clinic visits. Uh, some patients being reluctant uh, to come uh, to clinic. Other patients reluctant to undergo chemotherapy. And my biggest concern is a lot of the patients who have uh, symptoms yet undiagnosed, uh, you know, who may have cancer that are reluctant to show up to their doctor and be diagnosed early as well. So yes, it has changed quite a bit, uh, at least on the short term uh, for now. Is it true that cancer patients are at a higher risk of complications from COVID-19? And what can patients do to protect themselves? So far, the data is suggesting that patients with cancer uh, and specifically those undergoing treatment, although we're not sure yet, uh, maybe at, at a higher risk, actually quite significantly higher risk than the general population. It is estimated that one out of 100 patients who would get COVID-19 may actually uh, uh, suffer severe complications and die uh, from it. For cancer patients, depending on the data we're looking at from, uh, uh, from China and from Italy, and, and hopefully soon we'll see some of our own data from the United States, it's anywhere between 10 to 20%. So it's, so it's 10 to 20 folds higher than the average uh, rate of death from patients, uh, otherwise uh, the overall uh, exposure, uh, exposed patient population. The confounding factors, cancer patients tend to be older. They also tend to be sicker. Uh, chemotherapy certainly can suppress their immune system so what elements are working essentially uh, to increase the risk, whether it's all of the above, whether it's mostly the chemo, uh, the cancer, or the fact that they're older is yet to be understood. In the meanwhile, uh, we do have to ensure that our cancer patients do extra precautions, ensuring that they're uh, safe, that they're social distancing, like all of us are, but even more so. Uh, they wear masks if they go in public, uh, their caregivers wash their hands and be careful how to care for them. Uh, the good news is that at Mayo Clinic and other places, we are going above and beyond to ensure that all our patients are safe, but even more so our cancer patients, to make sure that they're safe in the chemo unit, they're safe when they come and see us. We also are, of course, you know, making sure that our providers are also safe uh, because it's, it's essentially the provider taking care of the patient. So everyone uh, is, uh, is making sure that they're masked, that wash, washing hands multiple times, uh, and we're taking every precautions for our patients to be, uh, to be in a safe environment. 
It sounds like a lot of the things that you have in place um, for routine treatment of cancer patients are probably helpful in this situation. Is it advisable that uh, cancer patients plan to continue on their treatment plan uh, throughout COVID-19? Absolutely, yes. And, and we have patients in different categories. We have the patients who under, underwent surgery and chemotherapy or radiation are essentially life-saving add to the value of the surgery in a curative setting. We do know that within eight weeks, for most of our cancers, within eight weeks, we need to initiate the treatment uh, within eight weeks from surgery. And if we lose the window of opportunity, we will lose the capacity to enhance their likelihood of cure. Uh, so it's not an optional uh, uh, element. It's actually a, a, a must for our patients. For some patients, it's an added 25 to 30% chance of survival. Then the question comes also to those patients who are in the more advanced setting. Is it important for them to come and consider their chemotherapy, immune therapy, or whatever modality we have today? Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, chemotherapy is not only life prolonging, but it also provides a palliative effect. Those patients are in pain, their appetite is down, they're losing weight, they're losing energy, and essentially not starting these types of therapies for many of them, uh, if not for most of them, will actually affect significantly their quality of life, in addition uh, to affecting their, their uh, per, pros, prospect of survival. So for all these, and there are other elements as well, for all this, uh, I think that it is important for our patients to stay on track with their treatment, uh, whether in the early stages or the later stages. You made some really good points. I practice both pain medicine and palliative medicine, and I often uh, tell patients that the most important thing that I can help you do to have your um, pain or other symptoms managed is to uh, work with your oncologist because treatment of the disease is often um, really, really does relieve the pain and other symptoms. That's a really good point. What about um, cancer survivors, people who've completed their course of treatment? Do they still remain at an increased risk of complications from COVID-19? We're not 100% sure one way or the other. What we know is that what we've seen from the small studies, again, from other parts of the world, is indeed they are. Now, the question is, are they uh, continuously at risk through, through their lifetime or just within a year or two from uh, them finishing therapy. This is, this is where I would take the, the, the stance that, you know, if I don't need to physically see the patient, I shouldn't. And, and, and you know, Mayo Clinic and, and other, other, other uh, centers have, have invested heavily into moving in telemedicine even before COVID-19. Because we knew we have to reach out as many patients as possible, ensure that they don't have to travel all these long distances to come to us. But this tragedy has accelerated essentially our uh, understanding and implementation uh, of telemedicine. For those patients that say most of them, they don't need to come and see me every six months. I can actually see them uh, you know, by, 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 by telemedicine. We have these video capacities. For some, it may be actually just a phone call. For others, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a video, which I prefer actually the video interaction. I wanna see my patient. I actually want to see them face to face whenever I can. That's the best aspect of what we do. But to protect them at this point of time, for those who don't need to be physically in my clinic, we're actually implementing those measures. They come, get their scan, they get the lab. I mean, we're even allowing some to get them locally if they live too far. I review them, and then we have the video consultation 
to the benefit of the patient. And then rather than every six months seeing physically, I'm seeing them now, I'm planning to see them every year with an interim televisit. Uh, until we understand a little bit more, you know, what, what is the real risk for those cancer survivors. That said, I think telemedicine is here to stay. We plan for it. COVID-19 tragedy and crisis has accelerated it. And I think it's now here to stay. So other than the uh, way that perhaps surveillance and visits are conducted, is there anything different that cancer survivors need to do than um, someone currently undergoing therapy as far as precautions? For all of us, I think we have to be very cautious. Uh, elements that drive all of us right now in these COVID-19 days uh, should apply to the cancer survivors as well, uh, meaning social distancing, ensuring that when you're in public, you wear your, your cloth mask, or if you have access to surgical masks, uh, preferably cloth mask, leave the surgical and other elements to the uh, healthcare workers at this point of time will die need for those. Uh, but wash your hands and, and just be careful. That's, that's the best advice we can give them at this point of time until we understand a little bit more, you know, if they are indeed at higher risk, but even normal risk folks, uh, you know, have to be careful. The same measures apply to everyone. You know, again, like I said, from the clinical standpoint, some cancer survivors, you know, still want to come and see us because they, you know, they, 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 most of our patients like the face-to-face interaction. I'd say for those patients, you know, if your oncologist, your physician says, hey, you know what, we can skip this uh, face-to-face meeting and, and we, we do telemedicine, next time I'll see you, understand that it's for your safety. Um, and I hope you can understand that it's mostly for your safety. The other thing I would say also, it's your, if it, for the safety of the other patients who are undergoing treatment, who also are at much higher risk than anyone else in terms of getting complications if they catch COVID. And for those patients, we need to ensure that our clinic uh, is certainly, at this point of time, primarily limited to those patients who really need to see us in clinic. So the less folks are physically present in the clinic, if they don't need to be in clinic, the safer the environment is for everyone. Is there anything that the caregivers, contacts, or household um, members of uh, patients with either cancer or cancer survivors uh, could do to help reduce uh, risk in, in the environments that they're in? Yes, it's, it's such a tough time for, for, for our cancer patients. And I understand it's a tough time also for those who care for them because again, the loved ones, the, the ones that care for them are, are certainly at, at even higher stress than ever concerned about, you know, what if I get the COVID-19, I don't know about it, and I give it to the, uh, my, 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 my spouse, my, my father, my mother, my brother, my sister, the ones I'm caring for, um, you know, uh, uh, and increase the risk of mortality. So that's very stressful just to think about the, the risks we put our loved ones to be. At the same, at the same token, uh, this is such a tough time for our cancer patients that are isolated more than ever. I mean, I know a lot of patients, not just cancer patients, are isolated from social contact, uh, from being able to be around loved ones. I know that uh, most clinics, you know, have a no visitor policy, just again, to protect our patients. Uh, that certainly adds to the stress of our patients. So we want to min- minimize how many coming and seeing the patients, you know, we encourage them mostly to stay connected. But the ones that live at home with, with, with the patient have to ensure that they take all the measures that again, we, 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 we want to make sure everyone does. Wash your hands frequently. You take your temperature twice a day. You also, when you go out, you take all the measures to protect yourself with masks, social distancing, and others. 
and and that's about it and and you know there's no need to to essentially distance yourself from from your loved ones or the ones at least that live with you uh, at home uh, as long as these measures are taken uh, are taken in account there is a lot of loneliness and people are isolated and i thought how very different this uh pandemic would have been in the years before we had the virtual contact that we have with one another now and the ability to FaceTime and Zoom meeting, it would have been a really different. Thank you so much for that information. Is there anything additional that you'd like to share with us today? Yes, uh, you know, I, I think overall, uh, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna pass through this. It's, it's gonna pass at some point. We're gonna figure out ways to have a vaccine, to have treatments with all the, the measures that we're taking now that the impact of the virus will be minimized. Uh, I, I want my patients to understand that, you know, as an oncologist, uh, you know, it's tough for me not to be able to shake my hand on my patient. I, I find myself every time I'm going to see my patient, I have a mask on. I have to start with an apology about the fact that they can't see my facial expression as well. They can't shake my hand with the hope that the next visit or two, I will be able to show them uh, the full expression of my face, my handshake, or my, my hand on their shoulders. Uh, and they're all very understanding. Uh, and I know it's tough for all of us. It's tough for us as providers. It's also very tough on our patients. We're all in it together. We're going to get through it. Uh, the new world that will come after uh, COVID will be a much better world for, for our patients, for providers, for the way we're going to stay connected. We're going to be much more creative uh, and, and hopefully will improve the quality of life on the long run of everyone involved. Thank you for ending us on an encouraging note. That's Dr. Tony Bekaisov here with us today talking about cancer care during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today. We look forward to seeing you next time on Mayo Clinic Q&A. Mayo Clinic Q&A is a production of the Mayo Clinic News Network and is available wherever you get and subscribe to your favorite podcasts. To see a list of all Mayo Clinic podcasts, visit newsnetwork.mayoclinic.org. Then click on podcasts. Thanks for listening and be well. We hope you'll offer a review of this and other episodes when the option is available. Comments and questions can also be sent to Mayo Clinic News Network at mayo.edu.